This is the Grind It Podcast. We know just like grinding a handrail or across the coping can be challenging at times, so can life be. We share God's Word and personal stories to encourage you to keep grinding and to not give up. It's time to grind. So here's the old school skateboarder himself, Randall Tucker. Welcome to the Grind It Podcast. Today we finish, well actually in the next podcast. We finished Matthew 28, but today we start Matthew 28. It's the last chapter of Matthew, of his gospel. And the religious leaders, the chief priest, the leading priest, all of those religious leaders, they have silenced the one who claims to be the Messiah. They think that they have done their job. They've been trying to get rid of Jesus for over three years They've picked up stones several times. They've tried pushing him off a cliff, and he always would escape. Why? Because it wasn't his time. That wasn't the way the Messiah was supposed to die. This is the way that the Messiah was supposed to die at their hands, at at their evilness, if you will, at their rejection of the very God that they claim to love and to serve. They use an inside source. They, they get one of the disciples, they get Judas to sell Jesus out for 30 pieces of silver. So Judas betrays Jesus. And that money that they paid Judas to betray Jesus actually comes back to them because Judas throws it on the floor. He tries to bring it back and they rejected it. Said it was blood money for murder. They called it murder themselves. And so uh, Judas goes out and he hangs himself because he can't deal with what he's done. I don't think he realized that they were going to actually kill Jesus. I guess he thought that maybe they would just put him in jail or something just just to silence him. But they wanted to really silence him. They, They wanted to get rid of him, and they think they have. Now you've got the disciples locked up in a room, scared for their lives. Literally, they're scared to death because they think that they're next. They thought Jesus was the one that was going to deliver them from the Roman oppression, that this Messiah was going to be this great military leader, and he was going to come around and kick everybody's butt, and they're going to, the the Jews in Israel or Jerusalem, they're all going to be restored back to power again, because they even asked Jesus about it in Acts chapter 1 before he ascends back to the Father in heaven. Um, And Jesus says, y'all still don't get it. You just need to go back to Jerusalem and wait for the promise of my father and so they're locked up in this room they're scratching their heads they're telling stories trying to figure out what in the world just happened we thought this guy he's he's brought so much hope to so many people he's healed so many people he has cast out so many demons he he has just made such a difference in people's lives and yet he he allowed them to kill him if he was the Messiah, if he was really the Son of God, why would he allow that to happen? And Jesus has told them over and over and over again, this is going to happen. I'm going to be betrayed. I'm going to die on a cross. Uh, I'm going to be put in a tomb. But on the third day, I will rise again. And they're sitting there in this locked room. They're trying to figure it out. They're telling stories of all these things that Jesus has done. And and now Jesus is dead and he's he's gone and he's been buried and he's laying in this tomb and they think it's over just like the religious leaders the religious leaders are partying it up while the disciples are just heartbroken absolutely heartbroken because they have lost their best friend and the one they thought was the messiah 
But we know we all know what happens on the third day. And they should have known. They should have known the scriptures and they should have listened to what Jesus told them. And here it is in Matthew 28. It's the third day. And Jesus had told them over and over again, on the third day, I will rise again. Just like the hymn says, up from the grave he arose with a mighty triumph over his foes. So <clears throat> let's dig into Matthew 28 and we'll finish it in the next podcast. Uh, and so much is happening here in these first few verses of Matthew 28. It's so, it's so, it's just an awesome story. Um, early on Sunday morning, as the new day was dawning, so it was the, it, the it's dark outside, the sun's coming up, got cakes on the griddle, life ain't nothing but a funny, funny riddle. John Denver song, if you don't know who that is. Uh, early on Sunday morning, as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to the uh, to visit the tomb. Suddenly, because they've been hanging around for three days, you know, the Friday at six o'clock started the pass, uh, started the uh, Sabbath. Sabbath lasted till Saturday evening at six o'clock, and uh, so it was dark, and they were going to wait until daylight so they could see to go to, to visit the tomb early on Sunday morning, which is the third day, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So they're heading to the tomb. Matthew says in verse 2, Suddenly there was this great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled aside the stone, and he sat on it. The angel literally rolled the stone away and just sat down on that big old rock. And his face shone like lightning, and his clothing was as white as snow. I mean, can you imagine the scene here? The guards shook with fear when they saw him, and they fell into a dead faint. So we got two Marys going to the tomb, Mary Magdalene and another Mary. Uh, maybe it's Jesus' mom. I don't know. Uh, on the way there, that there's this earth. If you've ever been in an earthquake, it's freakish. We had one uh, when we had first moved up to Maryville, and it's the first one I've ever experienced. And the house is shaking, the pictures on the walls is shaking, but it didn't last very long, like those do in uh, California and other places on the other side of the world. Where it just brings so much destruction but it was the freakiest thing because it's like everything was just shaking we'll sit in our chairs and the, the house is like woo. there's no control i mean it, it's just crazy chaotic stuff going on in it and like i said everything in the house is shaking and a wobbling it's freaky and and here's these two marys walking to the tomb and on the way there they experienced this earthquake along with everybody else in that area they would feel this earthquake well what caused that earthquake well matthew tells us an angel came down from heaven and the angel was there to roll that big ginormous stone away that was sealed shut remember the the religious leaders went to Pilate and, and asked for Pilate uh, to take some guards out there and seal that tomb because they were afraid that the disciples would come and steal away his body and then try to tell everybody and convince everybody that he had uh, been raised from the, the grave and so the angel rolls that stone away and he sits on it as if look what i've done but look how strong i am maybe but why, why do people think about this why, why do people sit why, like i'm sitting right now uh talking to you and and and, and giving you the notes from uh, this podcast why, why do people sit you know most people sit because they need to rest you know i come home in the evenings and I like to sit in my recliner or I like to go out and I, I like to sit on my screen and porch for a while and just and listen to the birds and, and look for deer and, and bear and, and squirrels and all this wildlife that, that comes through my yard. I just, it's, it's, a, it's a nice, relaxing time for me. Um, 
But the angel, think about it. Like in Genesis 1, when it says on the seventh day God rested, did God need to rest, literally rest from creating everything in creation? No. He, God didn't need that kind of rest. But here we have the angel rolling the stone away, and he sits down on the top of that stone. Why did he, why did he sit on that stone? He didn't need rest. But another reason why people sit is because they're waiting. They're waiting. Um, and I think that's what the angel is doing. He is waiting uh, for the two Marys to arrive because he's going to have a conversation with them. Uh, when I, I go to the uh, Mexican restaurant sometimes and, and, and have some friends or some family come along and join me and, and, and uh, I'm, ha I'm having to wait. I get there a little bit early and I'm having to wait and I, and I tell the, the waiter, I said, Estoy esperando para mi uh, familia o mi amigos. And, and, and he, he knows what I'm saying. He's, he's, I'm sitting here waiting for my family or I'm sitting here waiting for uh, my friends to arrive so you know, we can eat together. And so he, he just smiles or has a little conversation with me and walks off. And I wait until my friends arrive and then we enjoy the Mexican meal. That's what's going on here. This angel has rolled the stone away and he is waiting because he knows that the two Marys are on their way to the tomb. But you know who he's not having a conversation with? The ones who are already at the tomb. The Roman soldiers. Because these strong men, these military men with military training, they see. They, they, they see the earthquake. They feel the earthquake. They see the angel coming down. They're like, what in the world is going on here? The angel rolls the stone away and they, they pass out. They may have died. I don't know. I haven't checked the Greek on it. They, they may have... Uh, just reading into it, it says they fainting as if they were dead. So I don't know if they passed out or if they died. It's probably about on my part that I didn't check the Greek out on that. But either way, they're out of it. They're out of it. They they uh, they pass out, and that tells me that you know the enemy is no match for God, because the enemy, who was the religious leaders, the chief priests, and the leading priests. They, put, they went to Pilate and requested those soldiers to be there to seal that tomb for a specific reason. That specific reason was so that the disciples couldn't come and steal Jesus' body away so they could spread a message, a false message that he has risen. But they were not, you got the disciples locked up in fear in a room, so they weren't going to do anything. You know, they did try to fight for Jesus in the garden. Peter did use his sword or his knife, his dagger or whatever, and, and swung for Malchus's head and, and, and cut off Malchus's ear and Jesus put it back on his. So they, they, they would try to defend Jesus. So there would be a possibility. I could see why the religious leaders would think this way, that they could come and steal the body away, so guard that tomb. But these, these Roman soldiers, even though the, the people may be scared of them and respect them, um, God didn't. They were no match for this angel. And this angel shows up, rolls the stone away. The, the, the soldiers see what's going on and they, they pass out or they die. I, I, I'm not sure exactly what happens there, but, but they're out of it. And, and if you think about it, um, the women, these two women who, the, nothing against women, and not at all. I love women, of course. But, you know, the, the Bible says the woman is a weaker vessel. Now, there, are, there are a lot of strong women, but even women or men, even, 
we have fear. And obviously we see these strong men who have fear. And you have these two women who were on a mission. They were coming to the tomb to see or visit the body of Jesus. Perhaps that put more spices on his decaying body so that it wouldn't uh, stink so bad. They're, and they're coming out of respect to do this thing. And they're not intimidated one bit by what's going on here. They literally come up to the tomb. There sits the angel on this ginormous rock that he just rolled away. And the angel has a conversation with the two Marys. They don't pass out like these big strong men do. They have the conversation with the angel. And we have that conversation, at least some of it. Matthew writes, The angel spoke to the women, Don't be afraid. That's the first thing he said. Don't be afraid. I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead, just as he said what happened. He, he, I told you so. It's going to happen. And now it's happened. He's not here. He's alive. Come see where his body was lying. See, don't fear. He's, he's not here. He's, he's not dead anymore. He's alive. Come check it out. Come see where his body was laying because the grave clothes were still in the tomb. And they could see that. Um, so come and see where his body was lying. And now go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead and he is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. So go tell the boys to get to Galilee and he's going to meet them in Galilee. You will see him there. And the angel says, remember what I have told you. That, that, that's important. Remember what I have told you. I mean, you you got you to gotta think about what's going on here. And, and, and when we read John's account, it, it, it says that Mary was weeping, and it's not a, no, it's it's a wailing. It's a, if you've ever had something just dramatic happen in your life, and you're crying so hard and so deep that you cannot even catch a breath, that's what's going on with these Marys. They, they're, they are absolutely devastated that they have come to this tomb, and Jesus is not there. They, they, they were coming there expecting a body to be there so they could put spices on his body, and that body is gone. And despite the fact that Jesus has told them this is going to happen, they didn't get it. They did not understand it for whatever reason. They just did not get it. And so they're freaking out. They're absolutely freaking out. And the first thing the angel says is, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And most of the time in the Bible, when we read where an angel appears to someone, they just fall, fall to the ground in reverence and fear. You know, don't kill me. You know, I know you're from a being from God. I'm in God's presence. Please don't kill me. And they just freak out. They just have all kinds of fear. But I don't think that's what's going on here with, with, with these women. I don't think that's why the angel says, do not be afraid. I, I, I Like I said a while ago, I think they're freaking out because the stone was rolled away and the tomb is empty and they're, they're scared. That's, if you read John's account, uh, John uh, in John's account, it, it's more detailed. And, and we see uh, Mary Magdalene just begging the angel just tell me she didn't even acknowledge that she's talking to an angel which is which is crazy um but she's telling the angel she says please just tell me where where have you taken the body just tell me where where he's at and we'll go to him and and then she turns from the angels and there's jesus and she thinks jesus is the gardener uh, who, who takes care of the, the, the grounds around the tomb, around at the graveyard, the gravesite. And, and so uh, she asked uh, the gardener, where have you taken his body? If you know where he's at, just 
please tell me and I will go and, and, and take care of him. I, I, I will, you know, I will put these spices on him. Just please, what have you done? They're freak. They're absolutely freaking out is what's going on here. And so the angel tells the two Marys, don't be afraid. Everything's okay. He, he's told y'all this was going to happen. And it's happened just like he said it would. He is not dead. He is not here. Here's his grave clothes. Come in and look and see. He is now alive. And remember these words that I've told you, is what the angel said. Why? Because there's going to be, in the following days, there, we'll see this toward the end of the chapter. Well, matter of fact, at the very end of the chapter, the disciples, some, still doubt even though jesus is standing right before them and he's about to send into heaven and they're going to watch him ascend into heaven matthew says some doubted and i i, I mean i just couldn't imagine what it would be like to be in their shoes to see that nothing's like this has ever happened before and they're they're sitting there talking to this man who was brutally brutally beaten and and absolutely strung up on a cross murdered he was innocent, has not done anything wrong. And, and, and they watched him die. They watched, the Marys did. They watched him die. They watched him put, be put in a tomb. And they think it's over. And all of a sudden, Jesus starts making these appearances. And Paul talks about it in 1 Corinthians 15, how he was seen by over 500 people. And so there, there, there would be this doubt that they would have to struggle with even in the coming days, even though they have talked to Jesus and he's appeared to them several times and he's going to send back to the Father, he's going to be gone. And he says, the angel says, remember what I told you. Everything's, everything's perfect. Everything's fine. Don't be afraid. Don't fear. I know who you're looking for. He's not here. He's risen from the dead just as he said it would happen. Come and see where his body was lying. And now go quickly and tell his disciples that he's risen from the dead and that he's going ahead of you to Galilee, and you'll see him there. Remember what I've told you. And they didn't waste any time, and I don't blame them. I would have took off too. Matthew says that the women ran quickly from the tomb, and they were they were very frightened. <laughs> the angel just said, don't be afraid. Matthew says they, they took off running from the tomb, and they were very frightened. Don't be afraid. No, they're frightened. They're, they're full of fear. That's why I'm saying that what the angel was saying was, Hey, he told y'all this was going to happen. Everything's fine here. Don't be afraid. Well, they were afraid. They, they were full of fear. But, Matthew says, they were also filled with great joy. They're trying to make sense of it all. This is crazy stuff here. They're, they're, we know beginning to end. We have, we have the book. We know what happens from Genesis to Revelation. They were living it. They didn't know. And they're trying to make sense of it all because this, this is all new. This never happened before. And they're freaking out literally freaking out so they're, they're full of fear and they're also filled with great joy and they rush to give the disciples the angels message and matthew says as they went jesus met them and greeted them and they ran to him grasped his feet and worshiped him and if you read john's account that that would be the part where mary uh, just thought he was the gardener and just latched on to jesus around his legs just like you're not getting away from me this time big fella and jesus says in the King James says, do not touch me. Don't touch me. He, he's not saying don't touch me. If you look at the Greek, the Greek says, do not cling to me. That would have been a better translation. Because she was clinging on to Jesus for dear life. You're not leaving me again, 
big guy, no way. You're, you're, you're not going anywhere. And Jesus is saying, you can't cling to me, Mary. I'm not ascended back to my father yet. And this is, this has got to happen, but everything's going to be just fine. Go on and tell the, the, the boys that, that I'm alive and I'll see them in Galilee. And so, uh, and that's what Jesus says. Uh, in verse 10, Jesus said to them, don't be afraid. Go tell my brothers to leave for Galilee and they will see me there. So Jesus tells the women, don't be afraid. Go tell them. Go tell my brothers to leave for Galilee, and I'm going to meet them there. Where are the the brothers? Where are the disciples? Well, like I said at the beginning, they're locked in a room full of fear. And Jesus is saying, don't be afraid. The angel is saying, don't be afraid. Well, to not be afraid means that they're literally going to have to leave that locked room, that they're going to have to walk out in faith, because they're, they're fearing for their lives. They're thinking they're going to die. They're, they're, they've seen Jesus die a, cru- a, a cruel, cruel death, a horrific death. And they don't want no part of that. They're scared to death. And, and so to not be afraid and to be obedient and to go to Galilee means they've got to leave that locked room. And they, they're going to have to have some faith in Jesus and in God that he's going to protect them and that he's going to take care of them. And so um, they, they, they literally overcome that fear they overcome that fear and they do make it to galilee to um to um have a conversation uh with jesus now when i was a a skateboarding back in the 80s i still skate but not like i did back back in the 80s and do all the crazy tricks and stuff but uh there was a saying and it's still a saying it's all over the place but i just remember it from skateboarding and i've got the t-shirt and it says Fear is a mind killer. Fear is a mind killer. And if you think about it, the enemy, he, that, that's one of the greatest tools besides discouragement. He uses fear to keep us at bay. Think about that. He, he uses fear to keep us from doing anything for God. Because fear, it, lo- it locks us down. I mean, how many times have, uh, have you been afraid of something uh, how many times have you watched movies or maybe seen it in real life where, uh, uh, you know, because we got all these reality shows and all this stuff that goes on social media now that you got these cameras everywhere with cell phones and you see it happening. You, you know, like when a gunman comes in or some, a store's being robbed, people just, they lock up because of fear, because there's a gun in their presence and they could be shot and killed or whatever. When something crazy is going on, we, you know, we get fearful. Well, that's what's going on here. Something crazy is going on. They've never seen anything like this before, and they're full of fear. And and what happens is the enemy uses fear to keep us from stepping out and either following God or or obeying God. I mean, how many people that do you know that are lost? And maybe you can remember back before you became a Christian, before you gave your life to Christ, the fear that just you know, I don't want to step out and go in front of a church and have to talk to a preacher. By the way, you don't have to do that to become a Christian. You don't have to go in front of a crowd. You don't have to go up and talk to a preacher. You don't have to do any of that. But I, I can remember um, when I was a teenager, and this is how I knew that I was called to preach, was uh, I kept having these dreams. And, and uh, I remember this Baptist church that I was going to, Northside Baptist Church in Milan, Tennessee. I remember it just like it was yesterday. Brother Jerry McDivitt was the pastor at the time. And I had this, I kept having this dream. And, it, and one, one Saturday night before uh, I was trying to go to bed, I couldn't go to sleep. And I just had this message just 
flowing through me and it was just going through my mind and and i was like okay i, I know what's going on here I, I i realize what's going on here and i had to go forward that sunday morning and i just got up in front of these big huge you I know mean, i was a teenager 15 16 years old so to me the crowd looked like it was about a thousand but it was nor it's probably like more like two or three hundred but it was a packed house, and I and I remember just just bellowing out. And I walked forward, and the preacher says, "Son, are you saved?" I said, "I said, yeah, I'm saved." I had this attitude. I was like, "Yeah, I'm saved." I said, "But God wants me to tell these people something," and I just remember I belted out that message about how you know that there's lost people out there, and we need to get out of this building and, and go tell people about Jesus. That we absolutely have to get to work, and one of the things that keeps us from doing that that the enemy uses is fear fear is a mind killer and i love what the bible says that god does not give us a spirit of fear but of love power of sound mind the opposite of fear is faith we got to get out in faith there's so many people in this world there's people that we know that people that you know people that i know i can't reach the people that you know i might can you know minister to them but you would you would have you already have that relationship with them and so you can actually uh tell people about tell those people about jesus and and they would listen to you more than they would listen to me because they trust you they already know you but if we don't go out in faith and proclaim that message to them they're not ever going to hear or they may hear from somebody else that may not make the same impact but if we would overcome our fear and tell them about Jesus. There's no telling what could happen. No telling what could happen. And so the disciples, they would have to overcome their fear and get out of that locked room and head to Galilee. And that's exactly what they do. They're obedient. It says, As the women were on their way, Matthew writes, some of the guards went into the city and told the leading priests what had happened. And the meeting with the elders was called, and they decided to give the soldiers a large bribe. So they would pay off the soldiers to lie is what they did. They told the soldiers, you must say, Jesus' disciples came during the night while we were sleeping and they stole his body. If the governor hears about it, we'll stand up for you so you won't get in trouble. So the guards accepted the bribe and said that they were told uh, to say. Their story spread widely among the Jews and they still tell it to this day. So this tells me that the soldiers didn't die, that they did just faint, that they did just pass out because they go back uh to tell the 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 church leaders to tell the the chief priests and the leading priests uh, these religious leaders what had happened and so they pay them off to lie they give them a, a bribe um and it says their story spread widely among the jews and they still tell it today meaning when matthew was writing this gospel they were still telling this story and you know what here we are in 2023 and they still tell a similar story, and people still don't believe. But this was the very reason that the guards were put at that tomb. They were they were put there to guard against Jesus's body uh, that that wouldn't come up missing, so that his disciples could not steal the body, so that they could not say, hey, "Look, he's risen again," just like he said. And it it was no match for God. It didn't matter. It didn't matter. The angel comes down. They pass out for fear. They run back and tell the, uh, the the religious leaders what's happened, and they're paid to lie. They're paid 
to lie. And you know what? The enemy still lies today. And there's so many people in our world that 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 believe the lie instead of believing the truth that Jesus was crucified, that he was buried, and that he was raised again on the third day. It's the good news. It's the gospel. And yet people choose to reject that message of love and grace and mercy instead of believing it and running with it and living for Jesus. So as, as Matthew wraps up his gospel, I want you to notice something in particular that uh, he, he says about the disciples. And we're going to pick up with the very end of Matthew's gospel in the next podcast. But I want to finish with this. He says something in particular to the disciples. And Matthew was one of the disciples. It says the 11 disciples left for Galilee. So they, they were obedient. And they're going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go, Mount of Olives, there in Galilee. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. So it, it, you think everything's just fine, but listen to what Matthew says. Some doubted. They, they meet Jesus at the mountain of Olives in Galilee. They worship him, but some doubted. Now, you know, we always give Thomas, doubt, we call him Doubting Thomas. The Bible doesn't call him Tom, Doubting Thomas. We call him Doubting Thomas because he doubted. When, when Jesus appeared to the disciples the first time, he wasn't there. He missed out. And the disciples tell him that they saw Jesus. They hung out with Jesus. And he's like, look, until I see the nail prints in his hands and I put my hand into his side where that spear went into his side, I ain't believing. Y'all, y'all are crazy. There, there's no way that Jesus has appeared to y'all. And Jesus made him wait eight days, over a week. And then Jesus appears to the disciples again. This time, Thomas is with him. And Jesus says, hey, Thomas, here's my hands. Here's my side. What do you think? And, and Thomas says, my Lord and my God. And Jesus says, you believe me because you see me. But blessed are those who believe, but yet they have never seen me. And so we, we, we run Thomas in the ground because he, he was doubting the disciples. He was doubting their story. He was doubting that Jesus was, uh, was alive, that he had uh, been risen from the tomb. But Matthew says that some doubted. Some is more than one. Some could be two, three, four, whatever. There's 11 of them there. And, and, and there was, we, we give Thomas, Thomas this hard time. But some doubted. I mean, how many times have you heard somebody say, well, if I saw a miracle, I would believe. No, you wouldn't. If I could see an angel, I would believe. No, you wouldn't. If God would just show me a sign. We saw this all through the New Testament. If God would just show me a sign, I would believe. No, you wouldn't. Those people didn't. They turned around and quit following Jesus after their bellies were full of the feeding of the 5,000. And in Luke 16, Luke gives us this story about a poor beggar named Lazarus and a rich man who wouldn't have anything to do with Lazarus. He had all this wealth, all this stuff, and Lazarus sat at his gate just begging for uh, just a piece of bread because he was starving. And the two uh, eventually die. Uh, Lazarus goes into a place called Abraham's bosom. It was emptied when Jesus died on the cross. Uh, that's another story uh, in a podcast of its own. Um, and the rich man, he goes to a place of torment, which is basically hell. And in that story, the rich man is begging for uh, um, uh, just a touch of, of water to his tongue to, to quench uh, the anguish from the flames. And, and this is what uh, 
Luke writes, he says, But Abraham said to him, Son, remember that during your lifetime you had everything you wanted, and Lazarus had nothing. So now he is here being comforted, and you are in anguish. And besides, there's a great chasm spreading us, and no one can cross over to you from here, and no one can cross over to us from there. Then the rich man said, Please, Father Abraham, at least send him to my father's home, for I have five brothers, and I want him to warn, I want him to warn them so that they don't end up in this place of torment. But Abraham said, Moses and the prophets have warned them. Your brothers can read what they wrote. The rich man replied, No, Father Abraham, but if someone is sent to them from the dead, then they will repent of their sins and turn to God. But Abraham said, If they won't listen to Moses and the prophets, they won't be persuaded even if someone rises from the dead. And guess what? Somebody did rise from the dead. Jesus himself rose from the dead. Up from the grave he arose, where the mighty triumph over his foes. And we have it all written right here in the Bible, in the Word of God. It's in hotel rooms all over the United States. This message is proclaimed all over the world, the death, burial, and the resurrection of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And guess what? There's thousands upon thousands upon thousands, even millions, who hear that story and reject it, just like the man in this story did. Somebody did raise from the dead. His name is Jesus. And the bottom line is, you either believe it or you don't. You're either washed in the blood of Jesus Christ and you're living for Him, or you reject the love that He has for you and you're walking in the flesh. You're doing your own thing. And just like uh, in this story, there's a price to pay. If you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, it's heaven. And you get to be with God for eternity. If you reject this love that Jesus has shown for us, you reject uh, what He's done for us on, on the cross, you reject His blood that washes away our sins, then you will be separated from God for eternity. Don't worry about hell and the flames. Worry about that you're going to be eaten alive knowing that you rejected this love that God has for us. And there's not going to be a second chance for you. And you're going to be tormented day and night by that rejection. Friends, today, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I pray that today is the day of salvation, that you would make Jesus your Lord and Savior, that you would call upon the name of Jesus to be saved, that you would be baptized for the remission of your sins, that you would be immersed in a watery grave and come out a new creation, Romans chapter 6, filled with God's Holy Spirit and walking with Jesus. And if I can help you in any way, answer any questions you have, contact me. at the. Uh, you can text me. There's a number at the end of the podcast you can text me at or... Uh, you can email me at uh, thegrinditpodcast at gmail.com. God bless you. Thank you for listening today. And we're going to finish up Matthew 28 in the next podcast. God bless you. Keep grinding. Thanks for listening to The Grinded Podcast. If we could pray for you or encourage you in any way, please email us at thegrinditpodcast at gmail.com. Or you can text us at 865-418-2824. If you're watching on YouTube, please click like and subscribe, and you'll be notified about new episodes. If you're listening on an app, leave us a five-star review, but most importantly, share the Grinded Podcast with a friend. God bless you, and remember, keep grinding.